Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Network. My name is Chad Smeltzer. I am your host. Today, we have a podcast episode talking about deep fake technology, generative AI on videos. So Robert Bravis came to me through Veridat and wanted to talk about his thought on just how these videos could be manipulated if it goes into evidence locker, for example, and he has no more control over it, does someone tamper with it? Like, how do we know that if a video is being tampered with or not? So we're looking at blockchain technology, how it could be implemented in videos so we can show whether it was tampered with or not. These are important things as we move into AI and generative AI. The future is very interesting when it comes to this type of technology. So we're going to start talking about it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Please like, subscribe, follow us, do all that great stuff because we want to keep bringing you this great content. Have a great day. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Network. My name is Chad Smeltzer. I am your host. Today's guest is Rob Revis, who is the transportation technology leader at Veridat. Thanks for joining me, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chad. I'm excited. I'm excited too, Rob, because you're unique because you're a state trooper <laughs> in North Carolina uh, and you're also working with Veridat. And uh, you had uh, you have unique stories that we're going to get into uh, that I want to talk about when it comes to technology. But but first of all, give us a little history of your background, uh, how you got into police work and, 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 and where you all started and, and how you got into this uh, like technology space. Yeah, I mean, my friends and family, they call me a renaissance man because I'm just, uh, I like to try, um, you know, when it comes to hobbies and stuff, you know, I go hard into paint, you know, like it's, I dig deep into them, you know, and it's like, I just love, I love that learning experience. Um, I love, you know, just kind of figuring things out and uh, just keeps me going, you know, Um, probably some ADD stuff there I'm dealing with, but uh you know, still, it keeps me going, uh, keeps my mind going, but, uh, yeah, so I just, uh, that's kind of, uh, that's why I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none, uh, type <laughs> thing. But, uh, I, I've been in law enforcement for almost 16 years. Oh, wow. uh, next month will be 16 years. And, um, I've just kind of, in the same in my law enforcement careers with my personal life, I've tried lots of different things. I've had the opportunities to do lots of things. Being with the the Highway Patrol in North Carolina, you know, it's afforded me to, you know, having statewide jurisdiction has, you know, afforded me the opportunity to do lots of different things. I mean, and just being a, uh, with the Highway Patrol being a, you know, reactionary, like to emergency uh, management stuff as far as, uh, natural disasters, um, and of course, like riots throughout the state, things like that have kind of, I've had, a experience in dealing with all of that hurricane patrols and, uh, riot patrols, guarding the Capitol building, guarding, you know, infrastructure type stuff within North Carolina. Um, I was also a DEA task force officer out of Greensboro, North Carolina. So, uh, so kind of, that allowed me to step away from just like, traditional traffic, you know, enforcement and kind of, um, you know, step into a different investigations type, you know, with, you know, with drugs and narcotics and and things. And so, uh, you know, different types of criminal activity. So, yeah, you know, so I've been, uh, I was a stationed at our training academy in Raleigh for almost five years doing, I was a drill instructor and, um, 
um, wellness coordinator, just kind of lots of different things at the training academy. Yeah. Um, defensive tactics instructor, firearms instructor, uh, physical fitness instructor, you know, so I'm just kind of, you know, my trades. <laughs> yeah. And master of none. That's for sure. But, <laughs> but, that, uh, but, but I didn't mean to cut you off there, but why did you want to do that? Yeah. So, well, really I've just had, I went to, uh, went to Appalachian state for my undergrad, yeah. which is in the mountains of North Carolina and Boone. And, uh, I had a baseball scholarship and played baseball at Appalachian. And at first I was going to go into the military. So I just kind of, I've always been drawn to that service oriented mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, from family being in the military and then I have another, I have, um, I've had two family members, one still current with the highway patrol, you know, so I've kind of just been inundated around that, um, service, you know, mindset. And yeah. so, um, but I was afforded an opportunity to play baseball in college. And so went and did that. And pretty much I kind of, in the back of my mind, I thought, well, maybe I'll just do some teaching and coaching. So I actually got an education degree, um, while I was at Appalachian. And so I thought, you know, yeah, that'll give me an opportunity to be, you know, teacher coach kind of thing. And just as that timeline got, you know, shorter and shorter and, uh, graduation was coming up. Um, I just decided that, uh, I'm going to go into law enforcement, see what it's about, you know, and, um, because of, you know, stories and things I've had with my, you know, sharing information with my family members, I thought, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. And so, uh, went in luckily, you know, from playing baseball, I was still in good shape. And so, which definitely helped me out at the, in our training academy. And so, uh, so yeah, I started that just kind of from, a, I wanted to, wanted to serve, you know, that's really what I wanted to do, yeah. you know? And so, um, so yeah, cut my teeth, you know, as far as doing regular patrols and stuff for several years and, and then just started, uh, looking for different opportunities. My, my learning mind kicked in, you know? So that's when I started doing the training stuff and then got more into the investigative stuff and then got promoted. And, um, so doing the supervisory stuff. So yeah, yeah. You know, it's just kind of one thing after another. There, there had to be moments where things just weren't that easy. I would have assumed that when you were early in your career as a state trooper, that you experienced a lot of things and a lot of, uh, you know, challenges, let's call it that. Uh, what were some of those challenges you had to face and overcome to get like moving up in that training that you're talking about and moving up in, in your career? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's no doubt, especially in any law enforcement officer, if um, not not just the how not being a state trooper, but um, it is a every day can be a, a mental and emotional battle. You know, um, it's a it's a day it's a day in day out type thing. You know, and earlier in my career when I didn't have now I have a son who's three and a half, but um, earlier in my you know career it was just me and my wife and you know, we both had our careers going and, um, and didn't have any children, you know, it was kind of a, uh, I think I could, I dealt with the, the day in day out, you know, grind of it. Um, yeah. as we started growing our family, you know, that, that those challenges became, I think a little bit more, you know, more tough, uh, especially, you know, it really, it really hit home you know, when I went to, after having our son and going to my first, uh, child fatality, 
you know, um, or a child being killed in an accident, you know, that's just things like that hit different, you oh, know? Yeah. Um, and so it was just, uh, and the thing is, is just, you can't prepare. You know what I mean? Cause when you wake up and you start your shift, your day could start out and have a great, you know, you get the opportunity to help people that really need your help, you know, on the side of the road, um, being, you know, having the opportunity to be a, a good community member, you know, you have those days where it's just like, it's, everything is glorious, you know, and, and those are the ones that will keep you going. But then just as soon as you have a good day, then the next day can be terrible, you know? And so, um, the, uh, the day in day out grind for law enforcement is and first responders in, in total, you know, uh, yeah, it's tough. It is because um, I can relate uh, as a volunteer fire fireman for 15 years. You know, I kind of mentioned that to you before, but, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. the things that you see, the uh, the things that you don't want to see, but you have to see. And then you have to deal with it emotionally, like mentally, like you talk about. But they last for a long time. You know, those things, they don't matter. Oh, yeah. They just disappear. <laughs> yeah, it's no, no. And, but I do think that. Um, especially the Ohio patrol in North Carolina that I can speak for firsthand experiences that, uh, we're definitely, we're in that transition of getting out of, you got to, you know, suck it up and get over it. Um, type mentality. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, we're definitely, you know, moving towards, a list. What can we do to work through this? You know, don't just, don't just, you know, push it all down right. because it needs to come out because, you know, as um, illustration is given to me that I thought fit well was, you know, we all have this bucket of emotional stuff that's being poured into that bucket day in, day out. Yeah. It could be from, you know, stuff with your job, child fatalities, you know, uh, use of forces, you know, things like that. And, or it could be, you know, you forgot to, a pay a bill, you know, it's like all of this emotional stuff is getting poured in. And if you don't start to get some of that stuff out, it could be one drop that will make the bucket run over, mm. you know? And, um, and that's true. That's the way it feels, you know? And so you've got to start working through things to get, start emptying that bucket out because things are going to keep coming in. So you just got to make room for it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so the, the community is coming around as far as kind of getting over that, just suck it up, get over it mindset. Yeah. The job's not easy at all. It, it's, it's good to have that camaraderie with your team, you know, your friends in the same space because you can relate to each other. You can have those conversations that are always difficult and you can joke about them, but it's not in a joking way, but that's how we used to kind of overcome those things. It's like, okay, well, you know, we're, we're talking about it because we got to get it out you know, you're talking about the yeah. bucket, those things we have to sometimes get out of the bucket. So that's how we relieve yeah. those things and, and, and kind of, yeah, you know, cause it's, it's interesting, you know, some of the, you know, as, um, Tom broke, I'll say, you know, in his book, the greatest generation, you know, the, the generation that went through world war one and two, um, that generation, even though they've had the, you know, biggest, you know, life and emotional, mental struggles throughout, you know, in American history, that generation actually had some of the lowest rates of what would be considered PTSD mm. um, because they, especially the ones that had the most intense stuff, like being in POW camps and stuff, they actually, the ones of the worst of the worst situations actually had the lowest PTSD 
uh, uh, you know, encounters because they were actually during their POW time, they actually had time to talk about mm -hmm. things that were going on. And so, um, and they could share their stories with people that understood, you know, and, um, so there's definitely some, uh, big benefits in just talking about it and, uh, right. getting stuff off your chest for sure. And, and nowadays with the way the world is, it's, it's unique because we're in this transformation as a country, you know, in general, and we're, you know, we're moving fast digitally. We're moving fast as a culture where, you know, everything's are kind of changing. Uh, and it's very difficult for, you know, like law enforcement to, to have to overcome those challenges. Right. Cause then you have to learn how to deal with people in different ways. Now it's not the way we used to do it versus the way we do it now, because it's totally different. Uh, so I can only imagine the challenges that you face day to day. That's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. You know, and it, it, um, you're right. It's, um, it's at a different speed, you know, and the changes I've seen in 15 years, almost 16 years, you know, when, when I first started, you know, that I didn't have a computer in my car for almost three years. And now, you know, um, our new, our rookies are, they're coming out with the, all the latest gadgets in their cars, you know, with, you know, the GPS, um, you know, in their vehicles and computers and printers and, you know, this, I mean, like LIDARs, all this stuff is like, you know, stuff that, uh, has really, the rate of that stuff is just picked up dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. Flying yeah. drones out of your car to follow a suspect would be perfect. I always envisioned that. I was like, why don't we just launch drones and they can track the car? You only have to mess with it. <laughs> well, you know, and being with, um, we don't have the drones, but you know, well, we do have in our collision reconstruction unit, but, um, we use drones a lot, you know, in collaboration with other first responders, especially the fire department, because the fire department has, um, they came across, you know, some good grant money to get those. And so, uh, uh, is, you know, we've used them recently, you know, in, you know, somebody gets in a chase and then jumps and runs and yeah. runs yeah. into the woods, you know, then the fire department brings their drone. It's got the heat sensing technology, yep. Infrared, yeah. you know, yeah. So it's, it's great. You know, that collaboration of technology, um and different you know different units and stuff yeah i hear uh you now they they have these contracts here where i live where they can hear gunshots and things like that and kind of yeah. accurately place where it occurred which is really yeah. cool that they can do that nowadays because then you know you're not yeah. just running around as, as as police officers just trying to figure out where it came from it's kind of pinpoints it for you or at least narrows it down yeah you know and uh, Fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to say it, you know, but a lot of that technology has been, you know, spin off from uh, our years in the uh, in a war, you know, and wow. uh, um, you know, in the Iraqi and Afghanistan wars, you know, that uh, a lot of that technology um, has trickled out into the, uh, you know, now our first responder community. But you know, that's really how it, it got its proven uses you know was in uh military space mm -hmm. and so we're kind of um reaping the benefits of that now okay. you know and so that's uh you know i guess so a transition into you know the the technology side of my background is um i for for veridat and a, another uh partnership we have another company that that's where I'm really wanting to integrate the technologies that we offer, you know, into different communities and cities, 
uh, municipalities for, you know, this kind of a smart city integration, you know, mm -hmm. smart city is not a, it's not really a new term right. uh, at all, really. But what I'm trying to bring across is more of the, the safety impacts that, smart city technology, you know, and I guess smart city is actually kind of like a, you know, generic term, but, uh, being that it's, it can, you know, smart, we smart city, smart County, smart region, you know, it can all kind of work together. It's the same technology just depends on how you implement it. And so, um, I, uh, excited to be a part of that. I, um, I'm, I'm glad you kind of went with the smart city, you know, conversation because that is, you can't have a smart city if you have traditional processes internally. You know, I, I always see that as cities yeah. want to transform or talk about being smart cities. And I'm looking at the way they process payments. They process per, uh, permitting. They process all these different things internally. I'm like, well, we're still mailing that stuff in. Why? You can't mm -hmm. say you're a smart city if you're still doing those type of paper processes and things. It just doesn't make sense. But you got yeah. to say something. Well, just that, uh, I mean, you're touching on something that has been, I guess, I don't say frustrating, but it's just yeah. been a, a little bit more of a lift than I thought it would be in that uh, um, cities in general are still 100% fine with the status quo. Mm. You know, if, if what we're doing is, if it's not broken, I don't think we need to fix it. You know, that's just kind of the, the, uh, you know, the, the approach, the, the feedback that I get a lot of times, you know, they're like, Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I don't, we just don't need that right now, you know? And, yeah. uh, so it's been kind of, you know, it's been frustrating. It's just made me want to think more outside the box. You know, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily see obstacles as a stopping block. I just got to figure out a way around them, you know? And so, yeah. Um, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do, you know, I, and, uh, I'm only, I'm only, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm only smiling because the objections to that are the, probably the emotional side of doing sales and, and business development, because most people don't understand that if you constantly go targeting to talk to, and you're bringing value, right. To a city of something you have, yeah. and they're constantly just negative or just saying no and no, and, and, and you know, they need it. It's just emotionally the toll that it takes, uh, not near as, on the, on, you know, as a police officer or fireman, it's totally different, but oh, it's brutal sometimes. It's like, it, man, it definitely is. really, I'm trying to help you and you don't even want it. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, especially because it's something that you're investing your time, talents and treasures into, <laughs> yeah. you know, this endeavor. And you're like, this can, it can be beneficial to you. Like, and then I'm so, why not do it? Well, we just don't know if it's the time for us now. Tries, you know, we get talking about grant, you know, proposals and stuff like. Well, we'll try it on the next round and um, stuff like that. It, it's frustrating, um, but you know, just trying to. But you're right. It does, I mean, because that takes an emotional toll too. Because mm -hmm. you know, the build up, the the time invested, especially in different meetings and talking to the right people, finding the right entry points and. You're like, oh yeah, I've got the, this is, this is great. You know, and the feedback is good. You know, I thought that meeting went great. And then uh, you get an email back saying, nah, it's just not, the time's not right. That's a, that's a big letdown. It really yeah. is. 
consensus buying is a huge obstacle to overcome when it comes to business development, I've noticed. And if you don't get to the right decision makers, either at the top, bottom or in between, whatever, it just becomes a, a, a mountain to climb over. And everyone's got to be on the same page when you want to implement something, yeah. right? And that's the most yeah, important and that's, part. And that's the, that's the key is just finding those um, right now for me, you know, finding those administrations that are kind of thinking just a few, you know, it's not like we're, I'm not thinking Star Trek stuff, you know, I mean, this is just, you know, what can be beneficial now, but it's going to be much more widespread in five years. So let's, I'm trying to target those administrations that are thinking just about a, you know, with a five year, 10 year plan, you know, go ahead. Early adopters to tech versus, uh, the ones that are just waiting to get ransomware attacked, you know, that's, that's what's going to take. It's got to be one event that triggers yeah. the emotion to buy, right? It's, yeah. it's like, oh, well, yeah. we just got ransomware attacked and we spent $50 million to get out of our, you know, get our computer system back or whatever, because we yeah. didn't protect ourselves, you know, little things like yeah. that. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really what um, spurred me into really wanting to partner with Veridat um, because uh, you know, real quick, you know, just Veridad is basically, it's a software platform that's based on a blockchain technology that just, it's like in the background of your data transactions and it creates its own blockchain, um, that makes your data 100%, you know, transparent, irrefutable, uh, immutable in what it is, you yeah. know, and so that if, if it's manipulated in any way, well, then you know that that, that hash is going to be a different, it's like a different fingerprint, right. you know, basically uh, you can't have two, two fingerprints identical from two different people, you know, and so, um, or DNA, you know, it's like your DNA chain is your DNA chain and same, same with our data chain. Right. And, um, you know, so when I, my, I guess my journey into this started about a year ago. I had a conversation with, uh, with a family friend and he, um, he's kind of come up through the pharmaceutical general counsel, you know, attorney, legal stuff, compliance and regulatory stuff. And so he, um, we were, you know, talking and I was just sharing with him, you know, as I'm learning more about AI and, you know, generative AI and things like that. I'm like, you know, um, I have concerns for this generative AI and how it could impact, you know, the law enforcement community, but also our society in total, you know, because I thought, you know, if the wrong person gets a hold of the, uh, a video of a law enforcement officer and it's so easy to, you know, of course now, with generative AI to, you know, make Chad say something that he doesn't, he never said, you know, but they can, because you're out there on the, the interwebs, you know, you your voice is out there, your face is out there. They can make you say whatever you want to say. And I saw, you know, now that, um, law enforcement officers, you know, body cams, video cams, uh, in-car cameras, all that stuff is becoming, you know, you can get it in public record, yeah. you know, subpoenas if you want to um you could get your hands on a on a video and make an officer say or do something that he never did you yeah. know and it could create a whole nother george floyd um you know situation throughout right. the united states throughout the world because george floyd impacted the world um you know and i was 
I was in uh, I was at Ground Zero at the Capitol Building in Raleigh when uh, the riots were were terrible. Yeah. You know, and so I had a very much vested interest in trying to wanting to protect the integrity of law enforcement videos. Um, and uh, so then when uh, I had that conversation with my friend and a year later, he's coming around and he's getting picked up by Veridad as well as a consultant general counsel for them. And then he remembered that conversation that me and him had. And, you know, he's like, I think you'd be a great, um, you know, kind of spokesperson, and, you know, and, and person for us to partner with. Because you're right, that is yeah. the now with law enforcement, um, and especially now in law enforcement using like uh, what's called e-discovery for all of court documents and things like that, mm -hmm. that um, there are a ton of transactions, data transactions in the law enforcement arena, mm -hmm. you know, and right. so um, Veridat can help protect the integrity of those videos because you know, if something were to get out, you know, that was generative AI created, we can find the original blockchains. If it's been, if it has Veridad in the background, you know, working and protecting a company and agency's data, then you can say, nope, this is the original blockchain. This is the original source of this video. And it, and somebody has manipulated it. This is the original version. This is the generative AI version. And it can protect the agency, um, protect our society. So it really has that big of an impact. That's significant. Um, and and one of the questions I would have to kind of wonder or wonder how the process is with data, especially when it comes to video. You're talking about body cam footage, things like that. What happens to that data once you like finish your day? And obviously, you have to you have to upload that somewhere. Like, how does that process mm -hmm. work? Like, if it's an evidence case too, like, does it go into evidence? Like, where does it get stored? Yeah, every agency has kind of their own um, different, you know, SOP standard operating procedures for things like that. Um, the there are some companies in the law enforcement arena that can stand up through your own, you know, cloud storage. Um, you know, there's a, well, the mo most well-known companies, you know, that does body cam footage, they're very well immersed within the law enforcement community. Um, they can stand up their, your own, like an agency's own cloud storage, and then they can monitor it or they can set up where you monitor it or the agency monitors it. And, um, so then, yeah, the, the agencies will have their different procedures on the timeline. Like, you know, your videos have to be uploaded within 24 hours of your shift ending or by the end of the week, you know, it just depends. But, uh, then, yeah, then that data is stored on the cloud. And, um, in the event that somehow I've some, if it's like, a like a critical incident type thing, like a, a use of force, a chase, you know, things like that, then that data, the most agencies will have that, that's, that data is stored indefinitely. Yeah. But then certain things like certain like traffic stops, this tends to be, you know, root quote routine. Um, those usually can have like a 90 day, 120 day, you know, timeline on the cloud storage and then they're purged. Um, so that timeline uh, varies, um, but mainly it's just, you know, you would take your camera, your vehicle, whatever, and take it to the closest, you know, access point, And then it will be uh, through through Wi-Fi, you know, it's, it's uploaded to uh, to a cloud. So and that's where it's stored. 
so there's a lot of weak spots. It sounds like, or oh, for sure, spots oh, yeah. anything could happen at that. You know, just in these cloud oh, yeah. storages and transfer of information. You know, there's so many different paths. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a lot of. A, it depends on a lot of human interaction. You yeah. know, and that's where, um, you know, we are we're infallible people. You know, and we make mistakes, but. Um, you know, that's where things in the background, like Veridat, where you kind of, you're, you're taking out some of the human elements of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's really just to, it's for the agencies on protection, right. you know, that uh, they can say, nope, we did not, our, our IT team did not uh, break any, you know, uh, you know, policies or laws or anything it was just uh captured uh illegally you know the data was captured illegally you know and now with the way that uh hackers can you know they can access your cloud they have this off-site what they call a data lake set up mm -hmm. you know yeah. they can spin it up and access your cloud for just a couple seconds they grab data they don't really know at the time what they grabbed and you don't know what they grabbed either because really just your data is still there. It's just like they made a clone of it and now it's being put off into their data lake that they can go through later. Yeah. And what, what they have cloned will look like the original version, but what the original version, the, if it has the Veridat stamp, then it has the, that blockchain will yeah. have been manipulated. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So as I'm sitting, and we got to wrap up because our time's up. Yeah. We'll have to have another conversation, but, um, what what I was going to say is the the potential for someone to clone it, like you said, take it and start promoting it all over social media and mislead or misinform so many people so fast could be. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's what I'm telling powerful. you. It could be happening now. I mean, who knows what's happening out there with all this stuff. So, yes, this is very enlightening, um, man. Yeah. And that's where I guess I just wouldn't have as that much of a deep, um, you know, heartfelt want to make this secure as possible because man, cause I've been there, you know, yeah. and being on the, being on the other ugly side of, of what the public, you know, can do in, in times it's, uh, when at the time, you know, um, it riots can be terrible, you know, and obviously we're, you know, I support, you know, people's right to protest, but it needs to be a lawful protest. And I saw the ugly side of unlawful right. protest. And uh, so I definitely want to, it's kind of just my, my other way of trying to serve our community is trying to protect, you know, the integrity of the agency through their data. Yeah. yeah. This is a hot topic for the future, man. That's for sure. And we'll need to talk about this way more uh, and learn more about it and educate people more of, of how it yeah. all works really. So yeah, Rob, that'd I be great. Yeah. I appreciate your time, man. And totally. Um, uh, thank you for what you do, uh, you know, as a, a police officer and, and protecting and serve, you know, the public, it's, it's really important to have you, uh, you out there doing these things. Cause we need, uh, we need to protect the people. I mean, it really do. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's a dangerous yeah. place, <laughs> literally. It, it can't, it very well can be, you know, and, um, that's what, you know, kind of just going back to what you said is we're, we're we don't have a, um, a crisis on our hands until it happens, right. you know, and 
And that's where um, I'm just trying to be more proactive instead of reactive when that crisis happens. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Well, thanks, Rob. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So, of course, the uh, main way right now, you know, through LinkedIn, um, I think it's probably got my full name, Robert Revis, on there, but uh, R E A B I S. Uh, just send me a message, you know, through LinkedIn, and uh, I'd love to talk more about this. And, you know, um, if there's any way that, I can provide any service, consultation, anything like that. And please, please reach out. I'd love to talk about it. Love it, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And uh, you have a great rest of the week. Thanks, Chad. Thank you, buddy.